Amen. I, I was thinking a lot about this uh, just this last week. I was reading about someone who was in a war. And as they were in a war, they were in a foxhole, and they made this prayer, Lord, if you would get me out of here, then I will follow you all the days of my life. Well, the Lord got them out of there, but they didn't follow the Lord all the days of their life. And that's the punchline. And I've been thinking about that since, wait a minute. They made this deal with God, but they didn't follow through with their deal with God. And I realized really quick that that's, that's actually true for all of us. When we think that we're going to make a deal with God, we are putting ourselves above God. <laughs> we're the deal makers. Like, why would God enter into that place? Oh, yeah, that's a real deal for me. I have Kenny on my team. Like, what? Uh, that, that's, that's not a great deal. At the same time, there is this God who loves us so deeply and calls us to himself who despite our situations and circumstances can reach in and minister to those places of deep wounds, deep hurts, and heal us, that is an almighty God. And it's that almighty God that we need to lean into. See, the situation, again, seems to be that we think we're God. Well, we don't say it like that. But who's in control of your life? Who gets... <laughs> I love it. We'll go with God this time. Uh, who's in control of our lives? Who is the one who is, uh, who is making all of the decisions? Where do we go to uh, get authority to make the decisions that we believe we have uh, ability to do? Most often, the answer to that just it begins and ends right with us. It, I do. I do that. Why would I lean on God? Why would I ask God that question? And if that is the case, then God is clearly second, at least second. That means we're first. And if we're first, then we think we're God. And that's a problem because we're not almighty, because we don't have the ability to pull ourselves out of uh, hell because we are not able to stand strong in ourselves. We can't heal ourselves. We can't heal others. We, we, we can't be omnipresent. We can't be omniscient. None of those are true for us, but they are true for God. And the God who knows the beginning from the end is the God who is in control. And he is El Shaddai, almighty God, and we have this responsibility as believers to lean into that and to trust him. And so what I'm saying, is this, that there are times when we are saying some really pathetic prayers because our prayers don't go any further than ourselves. And if that is true, then we need to repent of that and lean into an almighty God. God is the God who rescues. God is the God who saves. God is the God who heals. It is El Shaddai, almighty God, and he's all-powerful. I want to say that because we're setting up a, a, a situation, a situation in the life of Abraham, but a situation also in our own lives that we need to be honest about and work through. With that in mind, we've been going through a series called When God Says Jump, and we've been using experiencing God as, uh, uh, as, a, as a means to look at uh, the, the life of Abram, who is going to be today, 
In Genesis 17, he's going to be Abraham. And we've been looking at these like waves that roll in, sometimes one at a time that we can kind of handle, and other times they all roll in at once, and it's a power wave that kind of knocks us on the shore. And we're going to see that today. I'll again highlight these quickly for us. They're in Experiencing God. It's a book by uh, Blackaby and King. In this book, he outlines seven principles that are true throughout Scripture, that we see throughout Scripture, but also that extend from Scripture to us and our walk with God as well. Here's what he says. God is at work around us. God is at work around us. We, we don't have to wonder, is God doing anything? Is God in this place? Of course he is. In the darkest of places, God is there. In the brightest of places, God is there, and he's at work. And sometimes he's whispering, and sometimes he's shouting and proclaiming. But God is at work. And God pursues. God pursues a loving relationship. Has it ever occurred to us that the situations that we find ourselves in could be God himself pursuing us to that place? This conflict that we have in a relationship or this this health issue, God wants to meet us in that place. And despite the circumstance or situation, God is pursuing us in that place. He wants us to know something about himself. And perhaps a part of that is that he is El Shaddai, Almighty God. Not just that, but God invites us to work with him. Isn't that a beautiful thing? That there is this all-powerful God. He could do things any way he wants, but he chooses to use people to be glorified and to lead other people to himself. This is an amazing reality. We see it throughout the scriptures. We also see it in our lives as well. And God speaks to us. Primarily, God speaks to us through his word. This is the primary place that God speaks to us is through his word. Anything that happens outside of his word, circumstances, other godly people, church, always, always is consistent with with what is in this word. Otherwise, we better believe that that's not of God. So if you have a sense that God is telling you, oh, maybe I should uh, steal steal the car from my neighbor. Hey, that's not God. We know that because that goes against his word. God speaks to us. God leads us. Uh, He leads us to a crossroads. That crossroads is always a crisis of faith. That crisis of faith at the crossroad makes us make a decision. Will I choose faith and follow him? Or will I choose fear and do my own thing? Will I be God? Or will God be God? That's the crossroad. It happens all the time. Sometimes, many times in moments, we're making those kind of decisions. But God leads us to those places, and let's, let's give God credit in those places. Sometimes in those situations, we want to blame others, we want to be angry, but we can just embrace the moment to say, okay, God, I am in a situation where I have to trust you in faith. Even though I've, uh, I, didn't, I, I didn't want to be in this situation, even though I didn't choose to be in this situation, I am in this situation, and I'm choosing faith over fear. And there's going to be a lot of adjustment that we'll need to make in those places. Lots of adjustment. But as we do, as we adjust, as we find ourselves working with God instead of against God, then we experience God in profound ways. We see that played out through the life of Abraham, throughout the scriptures, and if we would have eyes to see it in our own lives as well. So with that in mind, let's jump into the passage. We're in Genesis chapter 17. 
We're, we're going to walk through this together. Uh, we're going to look at some major keys uh, in this passage, and then we're going to take those keys and see how they apply to us also. So let's go ahead and start. We're in Genesis chapter 17, uh, verse 1 is where I'll begin. Remember where Abraham has come from, where Abram has come from. He's been in Ur of the Chaldees. This is a place of idolatry. He meets a God he didn't know, and this God speaks to him and calls him out of idolatry and to the promised land, a land that he had never been to, never seen, didn't know. And he had no family, no children of his own. He and his wife Sarai begin this track with all of their possessions. And as they go, they're tempted to wander, and sometimes they do. And sometimes they make some really big mistakes. But the scripture's honest about that. Those mistakes happen. And there are consequences to those mistakes. But those mistakes don't choose faith or don't disqualify them from following God. There's still an opportunity to choose faith or fear. And oftentimes, after choosing fear and recognizing their mistakes, they choose faith and they follow God. And we see it in this situation where God is speaking to Abram. Let's pick it up in verse 1. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am Almighty God, or I am God Almighty. If you have a pen or a highlighter, I want to encourage you to underline that or highlight it, that phrase, God Almighty. In Hebrew, it's the word El Shaddai, and it means just that. He's Almighty. He's all-powerful. He is completely strong. He is completely able. There are different ways that God is revealed throughout scriptures, and we could go through many names, but in this situation, as he's, as he's engaged in this conversation with Abram, he reveals himself as Almighty God. And I would say this, that's what Abram needs to hear, that he's Almighty God. Not Abram, but he is. Because what is being promised, what has been promised to Abram, he needs an almighty God because nothing else is going to work. It doesn't matter how much therapy that he gets. It doesn't matter how many times they go to the doctor. They're in in their uh, 90s at this point. They're probably not having children on their own. Like physically, that's impossible. They need an almighty God to do what needs to be done in this situation. I am God Almighty. Walk before me faithfully and be blameless. Underline the word blameless. Who is blameless? Nobody is blameless. We all have faults. All of us have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And so when we start to look at passages like this, it's easy for us in the West to kind of disconnect a little bit, to go, whoa, wait a minute. Uh, I don't know anybody who's blameless, Uh, Maybe that's just Old Testament stuff, and I'm just going to leave it in the Old Testament uh, because the paradigm that we primarily think from is that of a courtroom. Uh, Legalese is a way that we look at uh, Christianity especially, and the Bible in general, from the Western perspective. That is not always what is being presented, and this is a great example. The term blameless there, it it can also uh, have this idea of being 
uh, whole. It has this idea of being complete. It's a, it's a bigger phrase than that and maybe leans into the concept of healing or health. So instead of legalese, either you're blameless or you're not, you're guilty or innocent, this is this idea of being healthy and staying healthy. Verse 2, that I may make my covenant between me and you and may multiply you greatly. Then Abram fell on his face and God said to him, behold, my covenant is with you and you shall be the father of a multitude of nations. No longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be Abraham, for I have made you the father of a multitude of nations. There's a change in Abram's identity. I will make you exceedingly fruitful, and I will make you into nations, and kings shall come from you. Uh, again, this idea, kings shall come from you, the early church looked at that and said, that is absolutely true. That is a historical fact. It is also a spiritual reality. Those people who have received Christ as their Savior are also a part of this lineage. The early church recognized that in the connection that they had with uh, uh, Paul and his writings in Romans. And I will establish my covenant between me and you and your offsprings after you throughout the generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and to your offspring after you. And I will give you and to your offspring after you the land of your sojournings, all the land of Canaan, for an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. And God said to Abraham, as for you, you shall keep my covenant, you and your offspring after you throughout their generations. This is my covenant, which you shall keep between me and you and your offspring after you. Every male among you shall be circumcised. You shall be circumcised in the flesh of your foreskins, and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and you. He who is eight days old among you shall be circumcised. Every male throughout your generations, whether born in your house or bought with your money, from any foreigner uh, who is not of your offspring, both he who is born in your house and he who is bought with your money shall surely be circumcised. So shall my covenant be in your flesh an everlasting covenant. So this idea that there is, there is a cutting away, uh, it is taken and we'll see it later on throughout the, the scriptures. It comes up in Deuteronomy, comes up in Romans chapter 2. And the situation is this, that there is a cutting away, a division uh, that the people of God have to live out. In this case, it's physical, but there is also a spiritual element to it. We'll flesh that out a little bit later. Any uncircumcised male who is not circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin shall be caught off from his people. He has broken my covenant. And God said to Abraham, As for Sarai, your wife, you shall not call her name Sarai, but Sarah shall be her name. There is a new identity with her as well. I will bless her. And moreover, I will give you a son by her. Remember chapter 16 with Hagar? Uh, she thought, maybe this isn't coming through me. Maybe this is somebody else's uh, uh, blessing to have. But God confirms, no, this, this is Sarah's. 
I will bless her and she shall become nations. Kings of peoples shall come from her. And what do you think Abram did? Glory to God. Thank you. That's wonderful. Uh, Not exactly. Then Abram fell on his face and laughed (laughs) and said to himself, Shall a child be born to a man who is 100 years old? Shall Sarah, who is 90 years old, bear a child? And Abraham said to God, Oh, that Ishmael might live before you. God said, No, but Sarah, your wife, shall bear you a son, and you shall call his name Isaac. I will establish my covenant with him as an everlasting covenant for his offspring after him. Again, take a look and see what is happening. God is having this interaction uh, with Abraham. And he's establishing even more so this blessing that started way back when he was in his 70s. Nations are going to come from you. Okay, but when? Okay, but when? Okay, but when? And eventually, Sarai, his wife, says, you know what? Maybe this isn't going to come from me. Here's, Here's Hagar. Maybe you should marry her. Maybe that's how God wants to work in this situation. And he does. And, and, and their step of faith is one of those, uh, eh, this is kind of a step of faith, but, but really it was walking in fear. But it's hard to discern in real time. Maybe you've been in that situation where faith and fear look very similar. But they, as, as they recognize their misstep, God speaks to them. And in that place that God speaks to him, to them, he clarifies some things. And there are some keys that I want to identify. These keys, they really cross culture and time and speak to us even today. So let's take a look at those. The first one is this, to walk in God's presence. To walk in God's presence blamelessly. So let's talk about that for a moment. What does it mean to walk in God's presence? Well, why do they even use that? Well, first of all, it goes all the way back to Genesis. In Genesis, remember Adam and Eve? They walked together, separate from God. They they hid from God. They weren't walking with God. God is doing something in this place with Abraham where he's inviting mankind, humankind, back into a relationship with him. There is an opportunity to engage in a relationship, but you have to walk with me. The idea here, again, is not about being blameless, but being complete. In Deuteronomy 6.5 and Luke 10.27, we see what complete is. It's complete of the mind. It's complete of the spirit. It's complete of strength. And it's complete of the heart. It's whole person. This completeness is, uh, it, it, it's not segmented. It's not compartmentalized. It's not, uh, okay, uh, I will follow you. I will walk blamelessly with you as long as I'm in church. Nope. It's all day, every day. And it's not just actions, but it's also attitudes. It's within the heart. It's walking in a complete sort of way. And the emphasis, as I stated earlier, is that of healing. It's not legalese terms that are being used, but the idea of healing. And for some of you, maybe you you know what that's that's like. Recently, 
uh, I went to the doctor because I was having these sinus aches. It's a little bit of pressure on my eye and ear, and it was causing sleep to be difficult. And I thought, okay, it's just some sinus infection that I have, and that'll be, you know, I'll go in and see the doctor. And he goes, well, actually, that infection has been there a minimum of three months, and it's blossomed. I'm like, I wouldn't say blossom. That's not, that's not really a word I'm comfortable with in this situation. Uh, but he says, yeah, it's blossomed into chronic sinusitis. It's really bad. And he said it just like that. I'm like, well, thanks. I know it's really bad, but I didn't appreciate the smile and laughter about it as it blossoms in my face. Uh, so he gave me some medicine to take. And taking that medicine... Each day, you get feeling just a little bit better. And then once you get to feeling better, there are some things that you need to do to stay healthy. And we see that when we walk complete or whole with God. Yeah, we've received Jesus as our Savior. He has healed us. And he's being applied daily. How is he being applied daily? Well, we get in his word. And as we get into his word and explore his word, we recognize how to live in a way that honors him. And as we live in a way that honors him, uh, we start walking even more wholly with him. And in that place, we experience spiritual healing on the daily. Again, I'm not talking about salvation. I'm talking about this discipleship uh, type of life that Christ has called us to and that we see hinted at even early in the Bible in Genesis chapter 17 to walk in a way that is complete. It's not just legalese. Either, either you are innocent or guilty. There's a place for that. But there's also this idea of healing. We receive Jesus as our Savior. He has healed us. We now enter into this relationship with God. And on the daily, we're at this crossroads of faith and fear. What do I choose? What do I choose? Faith and fear. I've been led to this new crisis moment. Faith or fear. What's it going to be? And we choose, and as we choose Christ, we, we see that we walk in complete and whole ways. The second thing that is really interesting is identity. It's identity. There is a name change that takes place. You're not the old self. You are something new. You are different. Uh, we see that found in 2 Corinthians 5.17. Uh, for those who are found in Christ, you are a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. Behold, God is doing a new work. And we see that uh, lived out in a real way in the New Testament. But it is certainly true for us as Christians. As we look back and see uh, Abram's name was changed to Abram. There's a new identity. Sarai, there's a new identity. And you know what? If you have received Jesus as your Savior, there is a new identity. Sometimes uh, I laughingly talk about being a Hoosier. <laughs> I grew up in southern Indiana. Uh, we speak a different language down there. Uh, it, 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 I, I joke about it. I, I, I love that background. At the same time, I'm a Christian. Uh, that is my identity. That is who I am. I'm a Christian. I was shaped early on by being a Hoosier, but I am a Christian. Uh, growing up in southern Indiana, I have some unique experiences that developed the way that I think, the way that I see the world, but God has called me to himself. There is a new identity. I am no longer a resident of Indiana. 
I am a resident of heaven, the scripture says. My citizenship is there. There is a new identity that has taken place. And that is in part what God is implying with Abraham. There is a new identity. The old has gone. The new has come. Watch my blessings unfold because I am almighty God, El Shaddai. And then there's this piece about circumcision. And that is, that is really difficult. Uh, uh, in the New Testament, you'll read about these, these guys called God-fearers. They are God-fearers because they, they love the Scriptures. They're God-fearers because they knew the God of Israel. They're God-fearers because they wanted to obey the Word. But they were adults, and circumcision was really painful and not really something they were willing to do. So they're just God-fearers, not Jews. And, and so they stopped short. In Romans chapter 2, they talk that out a little bit more. Paul does. And, and he talks about this being an issue of the heart. And his comments about it being an issue of the heart, this cutting away, connects with Deuteronomy chapter 30. If you have your Bibles, those passages aren't up there. But if you have your Bibles, I want to encourage you to go ahead and turn there. Deuteronomy chapter 30. Uh, just to help you out, that is page 190 in my Bible, probably not in yours, but just let you know. Uh, all right, verses 6 and 7. This is what the Lord says. And the Lord your God will circumcise your heart. That word circumcise means to cut away. He's going to cut away your heart and the heart of your offspring so that you will love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, and that you may live. And the Lord your God will put all these curses on your foes and enemies and who persecuted you. Again, this issue of this cutting off, whatever, whatever that dead thing is, it, it's cut off and put away. And we see that ultimately in Christ the one who was cut off, the living one who was cut off for our sake, he became that for us, uh, that we could have life, that we could experience God. But there is a cutting away that occurs in Christ and then in our lives. What is that that is dead that needs to not be a part of my life? If I'm going to walk blameless with God, what is that that needs cut away uh, from my life? For you, there may be some real things. Maybe it's, maybe it's the amount of time you spend just scrolling through TikToks. I don't know. Maybe it's the amount of time you spend watching something you shouldn't watch. Maybe it's pornography. Maybe, uh, maybe there are some hurts, habits, and hang-ups that you've embraced that really is not giving life. It's actually causing death. That needs cut off. That needs to be uh, uh, cut away from you in your life. Maybe there are some really toxic relationships that need to be addressed. If so, consider God's work in those situations. Consider what God might be doing. In just a few moments, the worship team will be coming. Uh, as, they, as they come, I want to start preparing our hearts for communion as it relates to this topic. Communion is 
uh, just this beautiful time where we remember what Jesus has done, that his body was broken, that his blood was shed for us, that we could have life. It's very significant uh, uh, time for us, but we're called, one, as believers to practice this, and two, as believers to examine our heart. So as we pause before the Lord, we're asking, are there some things in our lives that need cut away, that we need to repent of, to ask God for forgiveness? And then, here's how we practice it at Friendship Church. The worship team will come and they'll, they'll, they'll be playing lightly, giving us a time to reflect. God, is there any unconfessed sin in my life? And if so, you'll notice four stations in this room. At those four stations, whichever station is closest to you, we encourage you to kind of come down the carpeted areas and go to those stations, getting both elements and then returning on the outside uh, back to your seat. And as you return there, wait for all of us. And at the end of this next worship song, we'll participate together. Would you join me as we pray? Lord God, we love you and we thank you. We ask, O oh Lord, that you would be exalted and lifted up. We thank you, Almighty God, that you have a plan and it's a good plan. And even today, as we've come together, we recognize we need you, El Shaddai. We need you to direct us as we care for our kids. And we need you to direct us as we seek you. Lord, we recognize that you're at work. We recognize that you're pursuing us. We recognize that you're uh, inviting us to work with you. We, we recognize that you're speaking to us. We recognize that you're leading us to these crossroads. And so, Lord, we want to adjust our lives to experience you even here today. So, Lord, cut away anything that is not of you, that is not life-giving, that we can experience you. We celebrate, O oh Lord your body that was broken and this blood that was shed. In Jesus' name.